Hello and welcome to our latest show where we chat about cinema themes and issues with Andy. How are you doing, sir? Very well. How are you, gentlemen? Very good. I'm well, thank you. I'm really excited about tonight's show because a couple of months ago in episode 145, 145, I had to repeat that just to believe it, uh, <laughs> we, we spoke about what movies would be like in a post-COVID world. That fascinating discussion had a very British team. Now we're going to broaden that discussion and Andy, who's American, Graham, who's Irish, and Neil, who is well, something, uh, are, are all going to put our points on this and see where we are and see if that snapshot has changed. So let's have a look at this and let's look at this from the position of America. So Andy, enlighten us, please. Are cinemas currently open in the major cities? Yes and no. Um, they are open. I mean, obviously there's still new releases occasionally. I can tell you the town I live in used to have two 16-screen theaters, one of which is closed and I don't think is going to reopen. It's one of those theaters that was older and didn't have like the stadium seats or the the space in between the seats, how a lot of American theaters have that now. Even pre-COVID, they did that. But the one cinema that's close to my home has stayed open, but yet, you know, there's obviously only a smattering of new releases. So they've been forced to play those and probably play them a lot longer than they would normally, but then also try to bring back either classic films or, you know, films like when I was a kid or even like other family films just to try to draw audiences in. But I don't see it being very successful. One of the other things that they've done locally is you can actually rent out a theater. Say you wanted to watch Wonder Woman 1984 with your friends. You could actually rent out the theater for yourself. And it was a minimum of, I think, $150 American. But, you know, if you got 10, 15 people to go in on it, you could just rent out a theater for your own private showing with your buddies. And then you could still obviously remain socially distant. So I think they're trying anything and everything to make a buck. That's a brilliant idea. That cinema you mentioned that you don't think is going to reopen is that part of a chain it is yeah we have a local chain here in the midwest where i live called marcus theaters and i think that they've kind of done that in cities that they have multiple theaters in because they kind of own the midwest at least as far as having a lot of theaters in this area so in towns where they have multiple i think that they've only opened or kept open one of the two just to kind of you know mitigate their damages i guess Coming back from this is going to be painful, whatever way you look at it. And, you know, on the positive, we've got the vaccine rollout now well underway. Yeah. And I'm seeing some interesting signs. I mean, they've postponed. Okay, this is good and bad. They've postponed Fast and the Furious 9 again, but they've only (laughs) postponed it by a month. So they've moved it from May to June. And it looks like certainly what we're seeing in the UK, the end of May, beginning of June, that's going to be it. It's going to be thumbs up and everything open. Are you seeing the same there? I was actually going to say something similar. In fact, I think I just read that they had moved up the release date of A Quiet Place too, because I think yes. that was pushed back to September and now they yeah. moved it up to Memorial Day. So that's a good sign. Well, when's Memorial Day? Oh, <laughs> usually it's the last Monday in May. That ties in quite nicely then. So it does look like this time. We are going to get a summer season this year. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, of the backlog now, do they 
continue to move stuff up? Do they leave stuff alone? Obviously, there's a lot of movies in the hopper right now. And how do they decide which ones they're going to release? Are they going to maybe release some of them through streaming? You know, who knows? Yeah, they've done a whole bulk of them. So I think certainly something like Fast and Furious, uh, Universal has said it is coming out in cinemas, not going anywhere till it's till it's hit cinemas. If we got that May-June release, would that tempt you to go back? It would depend on the movie for me. You know, I mean, Fast and the Furious doesn't float my boat. But if there was something that really interested me, I, I'm usually the kind of person that likes to avoid crowds anyway. So I would go to like a 9 a.m. show on a Saturday just to avoid people going to it. I would go to it if the circumstance was positive for me, I guess. How about you guys? Oh, no, I'm just so desperate to go back out, go and see anything. Yeah. <laughs> and now I've had my first vaccine, I'm feeling a bit more um, courageous, and uh, now having the backing of some serious science. So as soon as I've had my second vaccine, I think I should be rolling along into watching things, definitely. But, and you know what the weird thing is, too, is it seems to me like the the news cycle has a lot to do with it. You know, when they were just pounding it in your head every day that this is how many people died and this is how many people are in the hospital and all that. Not not that it, it shouldn't. I mean, the news and the reality obviously were grim for quite some time. But I think that just the fact that when every time you turned on the television, that that's all they talked about 24-7 just kind of got into a lot of people's heads. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, same as Graham, really. If, as a retiree, we're going to be able to go there during the week, which would be more quiet. So I think, anyway, I did go in the summer. So, yes, as soon as they open again, yeah, definitely going back, especially okay. as I've had my first uh, vaccine as well. Yeah, and didn't you go on about it? Um so so for you neil golf and cinema both open on the same day which one are you going to go for well golf and then cinema (sighs) at least he'd be outside enjoying the nice warm air yeah Yeah. you've not seen him play golf have you (laughs) safest place standing in front of him Um, oh okay (laughs) so it's more like caddyshack you're saying yeah yeah, i wish he he aspires to caddyshack Uh, (laughs) <laughs> uh, I have think you finished? Tofa will get more. Uh, yes, I have finished. Good, now. good. Uh, look, I'm just it. going on because I watched the football this afternoon and that depressed the hell out of me. Um, <laughs> sorry, Jeff. Sorry, shouldn't yeah. laugh. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just to to bring it up to speed, Andy, my team beat Jeff's team, and my team beat Jeff's team on Thursday. How often do you remind him? I try every nanosecond. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The problem is my team, Liverpool, won the league, won the whole thing last year. Uh, and uh, they've fallen apart since Christmas, whereas Graham's team is probably going to get relegated. <laughs> and and it just embarrassed us again. So we scored one goal since Christmas, and that was on a penalty. Well, fantastic. the problem with winning at all is then you have nowhere to go but down. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're owned by the guy who owns the Boston Red Sox. Oh, really? Huh, interesting. Yeah. Let's gloss over that and talk other horrors. Um, so back to the change in face of cinema. Where we are at the moment then, how are you watching your films, Annie? Well, I'm still a physical media person, and I don't see that ever changing. I mean, I have 3,300 DVDs, I think, or <gasps> something like that, and I don't see that ever changing. Whenever I see, like if you go on Amazon Prime, at least here in the U.S., they do have those um, like 
movies that you can buy and rent at the same time that they're at the cinema technically, which is a premium price for us. It would be 20 American dollars for renting one movie, which for us, that would be the cost of actually buying the DVD or Blu-ray. So for me, if I can own something and have it in my hand and hold it in my hand for the same price that I can rent something, I don't mind waiting two months to actually own it and purchase it myself. Especially after I've read different articles online where they talk about Amazon and Disney Plus saying that you don't actually own the movies that you own. Like if you buy something digitally, they still have the right to yank it back and take it from you at any point. And you can't do that if you own a physical DVD. What was the last one you bought? Funny that you should say that. I bought something today when I was at Walmart with my wife, Color Out of Space with Nicolas Cage. Oh, Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah, I got that watch, yeah. Then everything just blew up. Big flash, like a pink light. Or actually, I don't even know what color it was. It wasn't like any color I'd ever seen before. Looks like a meteorite. You mean it's radioactive? I mean, it's from space, right? Meteorites are generally no more dangerous than ordinary rocks. It's a Cthulhu one, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah it's like a Lovecraftian kind of... I'm anxious to see it. I really liked Mandy, and it's from the same people who made Mandy, so I'm interested to watch it. Yeah, well, it is barking mad. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I could assure you it's barking mad. Great fun, but totally mad. Sounds uh, like my cup of tea. <laughs> if you like Mandy, you'll like this. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. Excellent. Do you guys no, buy I, a lot of movies physically or no? I do. Those two don't, now. No, I buy, I buy all my movies uh, electronically. I, being British, uh, I have a problem with uh, physical media. I like to buy it, but I want my butler to ha- hold it for me and look after it, so that's how I do it. <laughs> so it's, I have a butler called Apple, and I have a butler called Amazon, and uh, they both look after my stuff for me. Aren't you afraid that eventually your butlers could betray you and tell you that you don't actually own any of those things? They're, they're going to kill you anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to poison the tea. So now I've given it over to my butler. Yeah, me too. So to go back to talking about the future of cinema, and one of the things that's happened recently is Warner's came up with an idea at Christmas to release everything in cinemas and simultaneously on HBO Max throughout all of 2021. Paramount are now talking about doing something similar, although I think they're putting a small window in between. Does that have an impact on your movie watching, Andy? And do you think that's going to have an impact across America? Um, I really do. Um, I think that all the other studios are kind of watching the success of Disney Plus and just wanting to reproduce it for themselves. That would be my guess. And so they're seeing how Disney Plus has all this, you know, they have obviously a a ton of franchises, a ton of content. Other studios are going to now try to compete with that. And so Warner Brothers' decision to put all their movies out on HBO Max at the same time is going to sell a lot of HBO Max subscriptions, but ultimately I think will hurt U.S. box office for those movies because, again, people are lazy. Or if you already have a subscription to HBO Max, why are you going to go spend money at the theater when you can see it the same day? You don't even have to wait right in your own home, and then you don't have to deal with any of the distractions of going to the theater. I agree. I could not agree more. I think it's a really dumb move. They are going to really start to screw their own business over. Yep. Yeah. A revenue stream. 
Well, and then the other thing you do is you change someone's behavior, you know, and once you change someone's behavior, then they're less apt to go to the theater if they can be satisfied with just staying at home and basically getting the same experience. Then if it's cheaper, then why waste the time and money? I think that's key, actually. Yes, you, you, if once you change culture, very difficult to get it back. Very interesting to see what happens when they open them here. So that leads on to another question then. We've got a lot of these films that have come directly to Prime and to Netflix and, and on Disney Plus. But personally, I don't think many of them are that good. I enjoyed mm-hmm. Mank, but you know, a lot of the stuff in our last review show, I slated three other films. They were awful. I completely agree. In fact, I was talking with someone the other day about movies that were either made for Netflix or that Netflix has purchased. And I'm like, name one that has been truly great, like great, like unforgettable, like you, you know, in amongst your top movies of all time. And that might be a high standard, but there isn't any, there really isn't any. And then when you look at like, I just watched the new coming to America like two days ago or something. And it was so awful. And I could see how Paramount watched it. And said, oh, my God, what a piece of garbage. And then just said, let's just get rid of it. If Amazon wants to buy it for X amount of money, just sell it to them because it's so awful. So you combine that with, you know, the current pandemic situation. I just don't see a scenario where that movie makes money. So eventually I have to assume that they will make a good movie. I mean, you could argue about The Irishman or, you know, movies like that. I suppose The Irishman's probably the best of the bunch. Still not very rememberable. I probably, in five years, I probably won't remember anything from that movie. But I think we have yet to see the truly great made-for-streaming movie. Uh, I liked The Trial of the Chicago 7. Okay. Um, one that that came wasn't out. made. That was one that was bought by them to put on. Yeah, that but, was yeah, cinema. yeah okay. But it, it still came out on there, and that's memorable. And I also liked The Aeronauts which I really, really enjoyed that film. But that's probably just me. In general, I think the quality of films has been average, not right. total rubbish right. and not incredibly memorable. But just, just remember Blythe Spirit. <laughs> yeah, but those are, those are edge cases. I mean, in general, most of the things I've watched have been meh. Really, uh, I mean, I watched one last night, and I thought it was just so average. I care a lot. Um, oh, don't get me started. Yeah, I, I thought it was eh, okay. I thought P- uh, Peter Dinklage was shockingly bad. Yeah, I mean, terrible. It, yeah, the the fact that that movie or that Rosamund Pike, I mean, she was good. Okay, fine. But the, the, pre- the premise of the film and this actual idea of it is so ridiculous. Yeah. No checks and balances is right. was the whole premise. And yeah, that's not how the legal system works. <laughs> right. It got a bit crazy and the police got involved halfway through. So why wouldn't there be some sort of investment? Correct. Yeah. The other thing about the other point I was thinking about the other day too, when we we actually in the U.S. in order to watch the movie Nomadland, mm. um, that is exclusive to Hulu in America. So you have to get Hulu just to watch Nomadland. So 
I can see also then, as far as the future of cinema, if we're talking about all these other various streaming services, you know, how complicated is that going to get when there's 20 different streaming services and then X movie and Y movie might be exclusive to one streaming service or another? And so therefore, you know, are people really going to take the time or effort to sign up for all these other various services just so they can watch one movie or the other? I don't see that happening. Yeah, and there's going to be an awful lot of people taking a seven-day free trial of stuff. Right. Well, and that's what I did just to watch Nomadland, right? Uh, yeah, and I did the same with another film. I think it might have been Blythe Spirit, Jeff. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that was the <laughs> one. Sorry, lads. Yeah, but, it yeah, didn't but, cost me anything. Yeah, in the future, somebody's going to be listening to an at the flick show. We'll recommend something, and they'll have to go searching for it. That's just not going to work. <laughs> that's just not going to work. I wonder if there's going to be some sort of aggregation service in the future, which will tie them all together. But You would kind of think so, that they would, you know, some overriding entity would have some sort of like bundle package or something where yeah. you can get X amount for X dollars and that would include X, Y, Z. I would kind of think that would be the way it would go eventually. Or do you think they're going to start amalgamating? It just seems to me like each studio is kind of singularly focused on having their own streaming service only because again they're seeing what disney plus is doing and that they have you know 90 some million subscribers that's guaranteed revenue stream for them obviously that must trump cinemas and other forms of of revenue because they wouldn't be so singularly focused on it if it wasn't they felt like that was the future of the way things are going I'm still going to be surprised if Black Widow ends up playing in theaters. No, a month ago, I would agree with you, but I think they've held off so long, do seem to be coming to the end of, of this, and they're going to need content during the summer. Possibly the only reason Disney haven't put it on there is because there have been huge success continuing with Marvel with the WandaVision. They're now yeah. going into Falcon Winter and, and, and the Winter the Winter Frozen or something. I don't know. Winter Soldier, yeah. Winter Soldier, yeah. And um, no, it's all Disney, isn't it? You know, they had great success with Mandalorian. They're going to have probably three or four other Star Wars series on Disney Plus. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. definitely the way it's going. So they keep the series there and then put the movies out because they know then they'll guarantee. You know what they're aiming for is to release one of these things and it gets a billion in the cinema. They've held Black Widow back. They've now put two series back to back. They throw Black Widow out May, June of this year, June yeah. probably. After two Marvel series, the appetite's there. There's a billion in your hand. And maybe they just shorten the window then. So if it indeed does come out in theaters, then maybe it hits theaters for four or five weeks and then goes to Disney Plus right after that. You know, who knows? That's what Paramount wants to do. Yeah, I think there's a slightly different approach i think what they're going to do they've had a huge hit with one division and one division feeds into doctor strange 2 and then i think coming out the other end of doctor strange 2 they'll have another tv series which links in so you'll be on this constant cycle of oh you enjoyed that on tv now watch the big screen version mm. and then oh we leave a little thing hanging at the end for it to go into the next tv show it's it's going to become very very uh, focused and programmed and you're going to be sort of in this oh i enjoyed this so i'm going to enjoy that so okay, yeah that's the way the mcu has kind of done it so far just yeah. with their continuing trail of films thus far i mean if someone now wanted to start at the beginning and watch the mcu from beginning to end you'd actually have to like look it up online to know which order to watch the movies in because if you just watched 
Iron Man 1, 2, 3 back to back, it really wouldn't make much sense. No, no exactly. But going back to talking about the HBO Max, but, you know, we've reacted to it, obviously, in the conversation we've had in the last 10 minutes. Graham, I hand over to you to pick up on this. How are the filmmakers? Yeah, so the filmmakers, Christopher Nolan and, and Judd Apatow, have been very critical uh, of this HBO move, with, with good reason, as it affects residual payments to them. So what's your view on their stance? You know, again, I think it's going to come down to the almighty dollar. Christopher Nolan is the kind of guy that still has, I mean, there's not a lot of directors anymore that have, like, clout in Hollywood, I don't think, or the clout that he has. So if he makes a big deal about something, I think people listen. I think if most everyone else makes a big deal about it, the studios aren't going to care. They'll be like, well, if you want to work with us, then you'll, you know, you'll do what you have to do to get a job, I guess. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I know Legendary Pictures, who is producing several of these Warner Brother Max movies, including Kong and Dune, supposedly either sued or were about to sue Warner Brothers for the same reason, because they're like, well, if our movies aren't going to play in theaters, you know, we had hundreds of million dollars involved in the productions of these movies. How the heck are we going to make our money back if they're either playing limited in theaters or the whole simultaneous on HBO Max thing? You know, how are we going to make our money back? And then it kind of got brushed under the rug then. So Warner Brothers must have just given them a crap load of money to be quiet. So I'm kind of torn on whether or not people's opinions on that are really going to matter. What do you guys think? If um, these companies are using the likes of Warner Brothers as a distributor and then they're not distributing it, I mean, it's going to be end up in court, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, yeah, they have to give them a whole load of money um, to, to compensate them. So I think it'll play out slightly differently. Uh, the reason I think that is because at the moment the product isn't there you know, they have that backlog of product, mm-hmm. but it's only going to last so long. So very little has been made by major studios over the last 12 months. So let's say we go through a summer season, this continues to fester, and then suddenly somebody calls a writer or actor strike. And that really will throw the cat amongst the pigeons. Um, I don't even think it's going to take that, Jeff. That would definitely put the cat among the pigeons. But I think, say, Dune is a massive hit. Unlikely. The test is simple. Remove your hand from the box, and you die. What's in the box? Pain. You inherit too much power. You have proven you can rule yourself. Now you must learn to rule others. Something none of your ancestors learned. My father rules an entire planet. He's losing it. He's getting a richer one. He'll lose that one too. Yeah, okay, but let's say it is. What happens? Then he feels nerve turns around and says, huh, you want me to make the next one? <laughs> We're going to have to renegotiate, guys, because I'm not having this ending up on HBO backs in 45 days or whatever the window is. Right. You know, so they will have that clout where they hold, you know, the artistic control. That's what's going to trip them up. And there are a lot of franchises. We're all looking forward to, obviously, to the Fast and Furious Nine. Um, that's the one that lot more clout than Dune. You, you uh, love well, it. That was bringing. They're bringing back the Matrix again, right? So, I mean, yeah, 
Yeah, actually, that's Warner's as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. So, so I, do, yeah. I do think there'll be a lot of, like you said, contract renegotiation going on. So they'll be like, well, I want a bigger percentage of this and a bigger percentage of that, especially if you can't count on box office as you could have before. And uh, and again, that comes back to our original point about people being lazy and just wanting to watch it at home. Do they really yeah. want to do that? It's very, very complicated. And I think it's, we're just going to have to sit back and watch and see how it plays out. You know, Universal at the moment aren't playing this game. So Universal, and we talk Fast and the Furious there, yeah. uh, Quiet Place as well. So they're not playing this game at the moment. Now, if their films are staying in cinemas longer, so let's say Warner's put their films out and they're generating a third of the income people were expecting, whereas the Universal films are exceeding expectations. This whole thing will change overnight back to what it was. Yeah, but again, who can tell? The future is unwritten. That will definitely be interesting and see how it plays out over the next 12 months, I agree. Yeah, I don't even think that long. I think within six months, I think by the end of the year, we'll have a, a really good understanding. But that's just the American market. How the international market's going to go, I don't know. At the moment, China's leading the box office in the world. Mm. And that's without American films opening there. And their own film industry is starting to really pick up and look internationally. So that might be another pressure on the what what was Hollywood to say, well, come on, guys, we've got to get our act together. There's nothing like competition for making people smart. Mm. That's for sure. Because <laughs> competition usually dictates innovation. Yeah, exactly. What would you require to be in place to go back to the cinema? A couple of things. First of all, I think that a lot of people who are really into movies have, you know, big or maybe not big, but they have home theater setups at their house already. So yeah. I already have a 75 inch television with surround sound and all that. Plus, unlike movie theaters, if there's someone sitting on my couch that's making a lot of noise, I can tell them to get the hell out where you can't <laughs> do that in a theater, you know? Well, you can, I guess, but then you could get shot. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's such an American phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I think it's gonna. Honestly, I think that the event films are always going to be event films, and I think if I had to predict, I would say that we'll always have independent cinemas, you know, like in big cities and in film festivals and things. But even the mediocre or the middle of the road or the medium range box office movies, I think will kind of go away in my opinion. And we're going to end up just with the MCUs and the star Wars and the big event films like that. Cause those would be the ones that if anything is going to get you to go back to the theater, that would be it. If I want to go to the theaters to see Nomadland, I just don't see that happening. So if all goes to plan, we could have a big release summer season. As there are so many blockbusters waiting release, do you think the answer is to release them all as fast as possible and draw out, drag as many people in as possible? And if not, why not? Well, there's a couple of, of opinions there. I've read a couple articles about other industries like the restaurant business and even just the general retail business about how they are predicting that there's going to be a restaurant and retail surge after everything mm -hmm. is back open again, because people are just so sick of being at home that they'll go out and do mm -hmm. anything just to not be at home anymore. So if you follow that same logic with movie theaters, you would think that everything would do well. However, if you look at summers in the past where there's too many movies that come out, 
inevitably what ends up happening is some of them end up getting lost. So if I was doing it or if I was running a studio, I would still probably pick the ones that you would perceive as guaranteed hits and put those out and then either push back or release to streaming anything that you felt would be a second tier film. Because I would think that those would be the ones that would end up getting lost and could cannibalize your tier one movies. I think it's going to be a, a, a summer will be difficult for them because they're, they're wondering which ones to put out. Right. Um, especially if we have a good summer and everybody's outside. But I think they'll also, they've got to think about Thanksgiving, various holidays and Christmas and New Year, which I think will be huge. And I think they'll concentrate on those two, uh, those two periods rather than summer. Here's, here's the thing. And I, and I think you got a point there, Neil. That you could glut the cinema. You could, you know, encourage people to come back in. But I think a point back to you, Andy, because you've been at this side of the business. If you were a, a, a member of cinema staff, how would you feel about being pulled in with all these huge movies opening, and suddenly you've got people all around you probably not following safety concerns? Would would you, as a member of staff, be worried about that? Yeah, that's an that's an interesting point. I know theaters like other businesses have put in safeguards to deal with uh social distancing and that type of thing, but you're right, the 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 huge influx of people back into theaters if that was the case would worry probably theater owners and employees for that reason. Another problem is no films are being made for the last year. So what's coming out next year? So I think they'll hold back a lot for next year and and, uh, drip feed them in. I would agree with that philosophy. I think instead of trying to push out everything, there's really no reason for it. I mean, if you have stuff that has to wait a little bit longer, then it has to wait. I think the last 10 years, I think, have proven now more than ever that at least as far as U.S. box office, you, you don't have to just be tied to the summer and to the Christmas season. We've had tons of movies that have come out, say, February, March, April. I remember one of the Fast and the Furious movies opened in April and was huge, and we've had, like, the Alice in Wonderland movie with Johnny Depp came out in March and was huge. And it doesn't... The the ties of summer doesn't matter as much as it used to. You can release an event film, at least in the U.S., outside of the normal summer season, and depending on the film, can still do very well. I... I agree with that, but I don't think that's the way they'll go. I think what they'll do is they'll start releasing films into cinema. They'll start making money, certainly the big ones, the Fast and Furious, and they'll they'll be there for weeks. And you know, you'll start to see this build up because they're making money and they want to make more money quickly. I think rather than hold many over to next year, they're going to sell them off even quicker to streaming. No, I don't think so. As soon as they announce the date for, say, Bond, some of the guaranteed big ones, say for Bond, this flurry of um, of uh, release schedules will change completely and they'll all be moving away from that date, sometimes two months away, three months away, just to get away from it. I, I, I disagree. Hmm. I disagree. I disagree. Unu- unusual for you to disagree. <laughs> no, but I, I, as always, I have a strong argument. Um, films like Mission Impossible 7 is filming at the moment. Those need release dates. Now, you're not going to hold that back for 12 months to, to fill in with something you've held on to for 18 months so far. 
we'll see how this plays out. But I think when they start releasing, these things start to pack out theatres again. They've got this glut of movies. I think uh, until the end of the year, they'll be still offloading titles that you would be surprised to end up first on streaming. If they end up doing that, it will be interesting to see, like we had talked about earlier, the quality of those types of movies. You know, once Paramount yeah. watches coming to America, if they see that it's garbage, then they don't care if they get rid of it. So if yeah. it comes to other movies like that, if they feel that it's a top quality film, then they might be a little more reluctant to sell it off. Interestingly, most of the films which have been released have come out via streaming, very few via physical media. Do you think COVID has sped up the end for that way to distribute movies, Andy? I would think so for sure, especially because, you know, during the height of the pandemic, no one was leaving their house at all. And although you could still order physical media from Amazon or wherever to have it come to your house, I would still think that most people were ordering streaming at that time. I can tell you that from my own personal view, you know, I, I'm a physical media person myself, but I think I'm kind of in the minority. And I think most people would just go for ease and also just for for expense. You know, buying a movie is, is more expensive still than spending three or four bucks on renting something on Amazon. So I definitely feel that the pandemic forced a lot of people, since it forced them to stay home, it forced them, they, you know, people still had to be entertained. And so then it kind of sped that process along quite a bit. I think what's going to happen is it'll become more specialized so that in America, you've got Shout and they do restorations, but with loads of special features. They bring in film critics to do commentary tracks. And I think you're going to see more and more of that. But I think for the general releases, it'll fade out. Although, interestingly, I noticed that uh, News of the World has been released on Blu-ray in America. And I'd be very curious, because that went straight to Netflix here, Mm. whether that will get the same treatment in the UK. I do know that most movies now, at least from the ones I've kept track of, they do release two to three weeks earlier on streaming than they do on physical media. So I think News of the World is out streaming, but I think on actual Blu-ray DVD doesn't come out till later this month in March. Yeah, I think that's another thing that's going to be quite interesting because um, and News of the World is a good example. So it comes out on Netflix in Europe, and I don't think anybody's going to buy the DVD here because I would. Yeah, I know. Not including sort of fundamentalists like you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> but normal people, Jeff, and I use that in inverted commas, not really, are going to just go, yeah, well, I've seen, I've seen it on Netflix. And if they do want to watch it, they'll probably just download it because it'll be available on download. And people, yeah. to go back to Andy's original point, people are lazy. Right. Mm. But I do like those, you're right, like Shout and Kino Lorber and a few of the other companies that are like going back and releasing classic movies or even movies from the 80s and 90s that are kind of forgotten or lost. And it's fun to see those movies re-released again. I think in recent years, the one, and, and this is this is where I hope that question is wrong and, and these things continue, is Nightbreed. Shout brought out the director's cut of Nightbreed, Clive Barker's version. Yep. Uh, and to get that, you can't see that anywhere else other than on physical media. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a good example because that the director's cut of that movie is completely different, or the meaning of it and everything is completely different if you watch the director's cut. Yeah, amazing film. 
but I can't recommend it to Graham and Neil because I have some <laughs> waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> From the imagination of Clive Barker comes Nightbreed. You can't go down there! They have only one enemy. A beast called Man, sworn to destroy the Nightbreed. Sounds like we're going head-to-head with the devil himself. And only one chance. A man called Moon. It's time to fight! One other thing it's done has resulted in the last video chain in America, Family Video, closing down. Andy, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's definitely an American thing. Obviously, we had, well, did you guys have, I mean, obviously you guys had like blockbusters and stuff back in the day, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, we did. So has it been quite a long time since you've had any sort of video rental chains there? I'm sure there are some, but I don't. I don't, I don't remember where any. they are. I don't. Yeah. There's a couple yeah. of speciality ones. I know one in Bristol. Okay, uh, that's about but it. not like any chains or anything no, that no they had. No, 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 no. So for us, family video, and again, because I'm in the Midwest, it it wasn't huge. I mean, it was probably by the time they closed, they probably had between three and four hundred stores, down from probably six or seven hundred stores back in the day. They, in their press release for when they were closing all their remaining stores, said basically that the combination of COVID and just the lack of new release product really just kind of did them in. They had done some different marketing things as far as like rent one, get one freeze and discounting prices of things or just little gimmicks to try to get people to come in. But if you think about it, you know, if you don't have any solid new releases coming out, you know, why else would you pack up and take your family to the video store? The video store is a fun place to go, but if there's no new movies, why would you go? So they probably would have gone away five years from now anyway. It's just because of streaming and everything else, but it definitely sped it along. So it's kind of unfortunate. As a fun side note, one of the new release wall signs from one of their stores is now hanging in my basement, but... <laughs> <laughs> a nice piece of memorabilia yeah hmm. right uh the streaming services have been so popular that there's been an increase in them ultimately they'll glut the market if that does occur what do you think will happen next andy well i think we kind of talked about it a little bit already i i kind of feel like at some point there will get to a point where Either they decide or like the cable companies decide that bundling them in some way would be beneficial to everyone because I just don't see the average person subscribing to four or five different streaming services just because, again, even if they're 10 bucks a month each, if you're subscribing to five or six of them, that just gets pretty pricey. So I could see Time Warner or one of the big cable companies going to them and figuring out some sort of bundle deal that you can get. A deal, say, if you subscribe to three or four of them and then they give you some sort of package price on all of them. Because, again, I just feel like it's just too difficult to manage all of that all separately. And it's just going to or it'll just become too difficult for the average person to, to pick one. So they'll all either they'll all gravitate towards the same one, which also could happen. I mean, when the dust settles, Disney Plus could put them all else out of business. I mean, you're kind of seeing some of them I read, like Discovery Plus has their own streaming service in the United States. So all the Discovery networks like TLC and the Discovery Channel and stuff, they have their own streaming service here now. 
you know, you have to figure just like anything that some of them will survive and some of them won't. So that also could happen just that some of them go away by attrition, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. What do you guys think? It's interesting you pick on Disney plus, cause I don't think that will be the last one standing. I think Apple will be the last one standing. They're really? Only just, uh, they're only just beginning and they've got the money to do what they want. They definitely have the money, but they haven't had like they haven't like they had that one Tom Hanks movie. What was it called? Greyhound. Greyhound. Yeah, Yeah. great film. But they haven't had like the event movie, like say Disney would have, where they they also don't have the huge library that Disney has as far as to bring people there right away. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think they're still watching the market. I mean, they've dipped a toe into buying the MGM library. And all that that entails. So I can see that going there as the first thing. But yeah, the way prices have gone at this moment in time, if Apple wanted to, they could take out one of the other two. One of the other two could t- Amazon is the only one I don't think they could touch. But I, I think they could buy up one if they were really, you know, in, in the mo- mood to uh, do Apple, it. Apple have so much spare cash that is as big as Disney is, they could just buy Disney now. Mm. The, I mean, the, and so maybe rich. that's what ends up happening is that they yeah. acquire one another so that there's only yeah. one or two of them left by the end. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Google yeah. and Amazon each buy them up. Yeah. yeah. Graham, you were telling me a story the other day about Apple considered one of their worst decisions of the last decade. Oh, yeah. Um, to, oh, they were offered Netflix. Yes. So Netflix came to Apple um, many years ago and said, look, we're struggling. Would you be interested in buying us? And they said no. We're not interested. We don't think it's going to be a serious market or we're going to develop our own thing. And yeah, they turned them down. And then things picked up for Netflix and they were on a roll and it just passed them by. It's funny that you say that because I used to work for Hollywood Video back in the day. Um, Again, they were just a a U.S. competitor of Blockbuster, but they did have over 1,800 stores. And they grew at a rate of a store a day over the mid-90s, surpassing even Starbucks as far as opening amounts of stores. Anyways, um, I worked at the corporate office at that time in the late 90s, um, kind of right when DVD was starting. And Netflix at that time was really only known for its like DVD mail back and forth service. And they were kind of struggling. And I think, I don't know for sure, because I wasn't privy to the entire conversation, but I think some similar offer was made by Netflix in in that they wanted Hollywood Video to purchase them, and it never actually happened. I think after that, once they started playing around with their their streaming services, I think Netflix took a different approach and thought, oh, actually, this could be really really good if if the internet speeds keep increasing at the rate they are and i think that that little moment in time passed by pretty quickly in which apple could have bought them Hmm. yeah it's funny that you say that because i think that that had a lot to do with it too that like in the beginning i don't think technology was up to the task so that's why they started off with the uh mailing dvds back and forth because that's the best they could do but then once the technology kind of caught up and then streaming became not only viable but you know, a pretty decent way you can get entertainment. I think that's when it kind of changed the game. I mean, they still are the best streaming service out there technically. Technically, there's nobody to match them. They have the best distribution service. They have the best delivery service and billing systems and all of that sort of stuff. They are incredibly far advanced. It's worked for them. They are 
the the one to beat now. Well, maybe after Disney, but they certainly are up there with Disney. I did see something online recently that actually compared, because the the premise of the article was that they thought that physical media would still be around for a long time just because of true cinema fans or true cinephiles. And they actually compared like the image quality and the sound quality on a DVD or Blu-ray versus the same movie watched on a streaming service. And in their estimation, the quality was much better on a disc than on streaming. Even with the best type of cable connection, you still, when watching a movie on DVD or Blu-ray, the the picture and sound quality was still better than even the best streaming service. But, you know, that could change. Yeah, we'll be going and get to our age um, with our sight (laughs) gone and our hearing going. It's, you know, it's not, it's it's no, no pro, no different really. (laughs) <laughs> Christopher Nolan goes on about this, and he says that uh, he he always watches movie on disc where he can. He yeah, says it's it's much better. Yeah, well, t- well, technically, you're not, the the thing about streaming services is somebody has to pay for the bandwidth going down to your house. Yeah. You know, the streaming services are streaming millions of simultaneous shows to everybody, and they pay an awful lot of money to the carriers to carry that stuff. So. The smaller they can make the videos and uh, and the the more compressed they can get those videos, the better. And they will use the best compression they can. But once you compress stuff, you lose the detail. Yeah. At least when you're going for something like a Blu-ray, you know exactly how good it's going to be. And all Blu-rays will be that quality. Right. You know, I'm sure Amazon, when they look at it, they go, Okay, we're streaming this. A lot of people are going to watch, want to watch this in, in good quality, so we'll give that. But these kids' cartoons will compress the hell out of them. <laughs> right. Hmm. Yeah. So essentially, the true cinema fan has a physical disc library. Anybody else, they're just playing at it. Well, <laughs> well to that point, and you could certainly we could debate that further, but. Um, what about the existence of 4K? You know, is 4K like a disc 4K I'm talking? Is that really going to ever be a mainstream thing? Probably not because the studios don't really care if it is because that physical media for them is not the future of entertainment. So I don't ever see 4K movies ever really being a true thing other than for cinephiles. Therefore, you know, you may never see a lot of big releases on 4K because they just the studios just don't care. But then again, the other thing that's driving that is that you've got the other sector of the industry, which is the TV manufacturers, and they're they're wanting to move as fast as possible beyond 4K because they can get, charge more money for that. If you have a 4K movie on a 4K TV, it looks great. It looks great. And if you put it on an 8K TV, it looks great as well. So there is, they're, they're pushing, the, the TV manufacturers are pushing as hard as possible. Oh, that's for sure. I mean... You look at it at the minute, they're upscaling technology and all that is very, very good. And that's what the uh, the streamers will use as well. Right. But I still think if you want the absolute best quality you can get, although I don't own many of them, you know, I would say that you'd have to buy uh, physical media. And dirty little secret from me, I bought a physical 4K Blu-ray just this week so there you go i bought the new 2001 release because it's uh, one of my favorite films one of mine as well don't tell jeff <laughs> no i didn't hear a thing <laughs> just like you guys said though there will be a, a point of diminishing return because if i because I, I have you know 4k of 
you know, the last Jedi. And if I put it in and then I watch the same scene in Blu-ray, I really don't notice the difference. But I think some films, you can really tell the difference, you know, and I'm afraid to say that Barry Lyndon is one of those films that is incredible in 4k because of the strange lighting effects he used. And good news, uh, 4k collectors. They're all region free. Yes. By yeah. anyone for anywhere in the world. And really? I didn't know that. Yep. 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 So, um, this has been a really interesting discussion. I just want to focus it back to cinemas as we wrap it back down. And one of the things that shows something's coming to an end are the fire sales. Now, one thing I've seen in recent weeks are the big bonuses all of a sudden being paid to CEOs and board members of cinemas. In the UK, Cineworld paid out a huge chunk of money to its board members. And I know it's in recent week there's been an announcement from AMC over in America. But do you think that's passed unnoticed? Or are people questioning how long this can go on and they're quickly trying to siphon out as much money as they can? Andy, that depressing question to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the theater industry wouldn't certainly be the only industry that that's ever happened in. Um, I guess I would say that. The CEOs probably see the writing on the wall a little bit faster than everybody else. I doubt that the general public keeps track of that, really. I mean, they certainly keep track of when their favorite movie is going to be released in theaters or whether it's coming to streaming. But as far as CEO salaries and even directions of various theater chains, I don't know that they pay too much attention to it. Um, is it more, do you think it's more in the news over there? The Cineworld uh, one is because a lot they've been making a lot of the staff redundant while they've been siphoning off this money. And it, it just doesn't sit well with me. I mean, Neil, what's your th thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, unconscionable, isn't it? We're supposed to be saving money and keeping it so they can start up again. They've sacked people and they're still giving out themselves some pats on the back and huge amounts of money as bonuses. It's not right, is it? But then that's the way of the world, I'm afraid. Right, I was going to say, the rich get not, richer, right? Yeah, it's not just cinemas, it's uh, everywhere. So I think we've had a fascinating discussion on this and, and gone round various avenues from streaming to cinema where we see you know, where films are being released, what we can see potentially in the next couple of years. Where do you think cinema will be in five years' time? I kind of touched on it already, but I do think that the big films will continue to be released in theaters. I think you're going to see less movies released other than, like I said, film festivals or the independent market, like in big cities. I think you'll still continue to always see that. But as far as the general public goes, I think you're going to see less movies. I actually think they may play in theaters just a little bit longer than before, but then they'll be followed up very quickly with a diminishing amount of time between the theatrical release and the video on demand release or the streaming release, you know, years ago, it had been six months. It's gone down to three months. Now it's probably, you know, if I had to predict, I would say that could even go to even less than three months over the next couple of years. Whereas something will go right from a limited theatrical release, right to streaming right away. I could see that happening. And then also just, um, no, nothing being off the table as far as studios continuing to want to regurgitate the same franchises over and over. You know, we're going to see uh, Matrix 12 and Fast and the Furious 18, and I don't see that ever ending. What do you guys think? 
I think um, if if we can um, reverse the culture change during lockdown and, and get people back into cinemas, I can see the likes of Netflix putting stuff on the cinemas first. It all depends on the next year. Can they get people back? That's an interesting point that we haven't really touched on. Netflix are awards hungry. So, and then they they like money. I mean, they, 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 and the money they like is spending in the, money too. The they? money's in the cinemas, yeah. not just the, uh, yeah. Just the yeah. No, no, no. You can make they, a lot more there. Well, we could have a whole separate discussion on whether we think that movies that go straight to Netflix should even be eligible for the Academy Awards. But that's probably yeah, a whole yeah, other discussion. Let's not go there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, 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 and the Irishman. So you know, and and Roma for that matter. You know, they right. Because they've got the guaranteed income, because they put it onto their service, to have a limited release in cinemas to get those awards, they are definitely awards-hungry. And that could have an interesting impact Mm. on on where we go in the future. I think, as we said earlier, I think people are going to want to go back to the cinema. I really do. Part of that might be just wish fulfillment for me. But I I do think people want to go back to the cinemas. I think small independent cinemas are going to be in in a really good position. I mean, the amount of additional bandwidth and network that's been put into the internet, now small cinemas can pull down massive cinema releases directly from companies. So they'll be where they used to have to wait in line for the big players to have their cinema release first, and then they'd pick up the next ones. I think small cinemas are going to be treated a lot differently in the future because they will be much more dynamic. They've been really dynamic in lockdown, doing things and doing interesting things. And I think they'll start to do complete awards season after the Oscars. You know, you'll be able to go and see everything that was in the Oscars on your local small cinema. I think the big cinemas, the uh, the AMCs and the um, cine worlds of this will be, as, as Andy said, blockbuster city. That's all they'll do is blockbusters. But I think those small independent cinemas are going to have an interesting time in the future, and I look forward to that no end. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. You see, <clears throat> I had this feeling that things were going to go wrong during our last cinema visit, because as is the way, Andy, with us, we when the three of us go to the cinema together, there's a, a lovely little pub just around the corner, and we always pop in there and discuss the film. And the final words when we left that pub were from Neil. I'll get the next round after the next film. And after that, <laughs> every, everything's gone wrong. Famous <clears throat> last words. Famous last words. He dropped an email to somebody in China and said, can you quickly whip up a virus for me, please? <laughs> do you guys have plans to go back to the cinema soon? I mean, do you have anything planned? 17th of May, I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My last one was December for Wonder Woman 84. Okay. Uh, a particular low point. <laughs> yeah, I think the last movie I saw in the theater, I think, was 1917, I think. Oh, good one. Yeah. My one before Wonder Woman 84 was St. Maud, which I absolutely loathed. The only way is up, Jeff. Yeah. Well, that was a fascinating take on the feature of cinema, and I think it's one we're going to be coming back to uh, later on this year with you, Andy, just to see how much of this actually came true and whether the building blocks fall into line mm. for what we think are going to happen. So, Andy, always a pleasure, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds great, guys. I look forward to it. Thank you very much. Thank you.